Hello, coast to ghosters. It's oh my spooky. god. <laughs> oh my god, I saw it in your eyes. <laughs> this is our Halloween episode. <laughs> Even though this is going to come out after Halloween. It is, yeah. We're filming this a Halloween. day before Halloween, and it's going to yeah, come so- out after Halloween. So, yes. But I hope you guys all had. A very safe and spooky Halloween. Don't be safe. Cause havoc. I say be safe, but I don't. Whatever. <laughs> what are you doing? Anything fun for Halloween? Um, I mean, I'm going over to my sister's house. Uh, I'm Charlie, by the way. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'm Carly. This is Coast to Ghost Podcast. It is, yeah. Hopefully this isn't the episode you start on. Hopefully you've uh, (laughs) binge-listened to us. But if you do happen to start on this episode, yeah. Hey, (laughs) welcome. Hello. (laughs) But yeah, no, nothing fun planned for Halloween, really. I work until 7, so, you know, I just, I'm vibing. I just want to give out candy, so I'm... Trying to find somewhere to give out candy. Were you <laughs> there? I get no trick-or-treaters at my house. Do, do you not get a lot of trick-or-treaters? I get none. I <laughs> bought two bags of candy last year um, and just waited and mm-hmm. did not. Yeah, it was sad. I was actually really, really sad. Buddy, I will fly to your house but, and get some some candy from thank you specifically. You. It'll just cost me like $3,000, but it's fine. <laughs> Just for one piece. One <laughs> just for one piece of candy. And it's going to be like a Tootsie Roll. And I'm going to be really it's upset. Gonna, it'll be a Tootsie Pop. Okay. All right. That right. I'll settle for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I can just get right in. Wait, what are you, are you dressing up for Halloween? Um, yeah, I, I have to go to my, my, my sister's, uh, it's like, so I guess I lied. It's not that I'm not doing anything on Halloween, but my sister's throwing this like little party thing. Um, it keeps getting canceled and then put back on and then canceled and then put back on. So I don't really know. Um, but the only costume I have is Nacho Libre. So we're just gonna (laughs) run with that one. Yeah, um, it's in his recreational clothing. That threw me for a loop. Yes. (laughs) The only costume you have is not... (laughs) It is. I mean, like, it's such an easy costume. And I'm kind of built like Jack Black. So why not just just really lean into that, you know? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) What about you? Are you going to dress up or are you just going to hand out candy in your civilian um, clothing? I, so I've already dressed up twice, actually. Oh, my God. Yeah, you have. I had, you showed me one. I had, yeah, well, it's the same costume. I've just been wearing, because obviously my, if you've listened to, I think we've talked about it in multiple episodes in the past, like, month, but I'm obsessed with aliens. So I dressed up as a little green man. I love that. Um, but yeah, so that's that's my costume this year. So I've had two work events that I've had to dress up. So I've just been an alien, and everybody at work knows I love aliens. So it just it's really just fitting for this this year for me. Agreed. I love it. You did a very good job. Thanks. 
All right, well, I'll get right into our not sponsored morbid curiosity, but if you're listening, sponsor us. Yeah, if you want to sponsor us, that would be really cool, you guys. (laughs) Okay, so my question is, what is the difference between a graveyard and a cemetery? Is it A, there's no difference, B, a cemetery is over 100 years old, C, a graveyard adjoins a church, or D, graveyards have fewer than 100 graves? Oh, my God. Um, I want to go with C. It is C. Oh, my God. I got one it right. It is. <laughs> a graveyard adjoins a church. Oh, my God. I love that. Good job. I always thought they were synonyms. Yay. Yay. I got one right. Yeah, I did, too. I did, too. Okay. Yeah, I thought it was the this same thing. Is a cool, this one's a cool one. So, what is your favorite cinematic death scene? Oh, my God. Okay, so people who have not watched House of Usher yet. I have not yet. (laughs) A little backstory about this. Oh, my God, Carly. Charlie and 600 other people in my life sent me a message that was like, watch House of Usher. And I was like, okay, but I'm... Me answering, I had a invisible question mark to them because I thought this whole time that House of Usher was about Usher, baby. Um, was, <laughs> Usher, baby. It made, <laughs> it made sense because he's doing the Super Bowl halftime show, so I was like, early marketing. Um, and I was just really confused that all these people in my life thought I was a really big Usher fan, and then yeah. I finally opened Netflix and was like, oh. Envy. <laughs> oh, I get it. It's Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not gonna spoil it for any. Well, okay, it's not spoiling it. It's literally called the Fall of the House of Usher. We know no one in the Usher family makes it from the beginning. It's their whole mm-hmm. entire family is falling. Um, there is a really, really cool death scene. Um, that is just very cinematic and it involves mirrors which i thought was really cool and it had like this weird green hazy lighting over it it's really cool you'll know it when you see it um but it 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 was awesome it's anything mike flanagan does love it yeah so you know and that is why everybody was telling me to watch it because I love everything that Mike Flanagan does. So. Exactly. And this, um, I think that this is the best one. So all the death scenes in there ooh, really okay. are just incredible. What about you? My um, is obviously in Breaking Dawn Part 2. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I, I feel like at this point in time, everybody should have like it's been i feel like it's a significant amount of time oh my god yeah it's literally been over a decade right so i mean i i feel like if you have seen twilight i don't even need to explain it but it's alice's vision scene and everybody and their mothers dies and i will always stand on my stepping stone that that is the most cinematic death scene in really? the universe. I think I... it's if you if you've never read the books, like watching some watching that movie with somebody who's never who has never read the books or doesn't know what's happening is like amazing. Plot twist. Yes. Yeah, yes. it I mean I read the books and I was still shocked when I saw it, but I will say Right. 
the image of Carlisle's head will like well, stick that's my roman there. empire baby <laughs> my roman empire is the ugly ass looking rigatoni baby like I cannot, <laughs> whatever her name is <laughs> rigatoni race car whatever you want to call it <laughs> she stresses uh, me out like that and carlisle's head i feel like nobody talks about carlisle's head as much no, as the creepy but baby that, like but that cgi was not great yeah. either it was terrifying it was amazing um, the one eye going off in a di- <laughs> that i did not want to participate he said bye he said not today <laughs> he said, i'm not gonna be in this scene <laughs> so. all right well since this is our halloween episode I decided to talk about a Halloween story or case today. Dun, dun, dun. So Halloween is arguably the spookiest time of the year, also known as spooky season. This time of year is the one time of year where dressing up with masks and hiding our true selves is actually encouraged. Where knocking on strangers' doors or opening our doors to strangers is the norm on this one day of year. Unfortunately, those eviler than others can take advantage of the leniency Halloween brings and turns trick-or-treating into a terror. This is the trick-or-treat slang, or the murder of Peter Fabiano. Okay. Do you know this one? I think so. I think you do. It's a pretty, it's a pretty well-known one. Yeah, I think, I think I might know it. So today's case brings us to Halloween night in 1957 in Sun Valley, California. The night was winding down and the trick-or-treaters seemed to retire for the night. Peter Fabiano, a 35-year-old man, lived with his wife, Betty, and his stepdaughter, Betty's daughter, Judy. Betty had been previously married, which produced both a son and a daughter. Betty and her previous husband would divorce and then she would eventually meet Peter. Peter previously served with the Marines in World War II and his, him and his wife, Betty, would eventually run two beauty salons in the area. Betty's son did not live with the family at this time. I believe he was actually out in some branch of military at this point. Mm. So the Fabianos had turned their lights off for the night and were preparing for bed. Around 11 p.m., they had a ring at their door. Betty would recall that she told Peter that they were all out of candy, and he would rebuttal that he believed they still had lots left. No. Betty would recount that Peter loved Halloween and enjoyed handing out candy to the neighborhood trick-or-treaters, so he was like, yeah, I'll go handle this. Peter got out of bed and wandered his way to the front door, Betty remaining upstairs in the couple's bedroom at the time. Betty could hear her husband say, isn't it a little late for this? She then recounted that she thought she heard two unrecognizable voices, one of them sounding like a woman disguising her voice to be deeper or more manlike. Hmm. She would then hear a loud pop noise coming from Peter's location. She would rush downstairs to find Peter lying on his back in a pool of blood. Peter had been shot and the culprit had clearly left the scene already. She would then awake her daughter Judy who was in the house to rush over to their neighbor's house, Bud Alper. Bud was an officer for the Valley Division Police Department, and they would also alert authorities at this time. A few moments later, officers and help had arrived at the Fabiano's residence. Peter was rushed to Sun Valley Receiving Hospital, where he would unfortunately succumb to his injuries. 
The pop noise that Betty had heard was in fact a gunshot wound with the bullet directly penetrating Peter's heart. That is so, see what that says to me is whoever shot him knew exactly where they were aiming. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know, like whoever did Do you did know this, this case? I don't actually. Oh, okay. Um, okay. I thought this See, was a completely different case. Uh, so yeah, no, it just, uh, there's a lot of red flags here. I mean, this, this right. was clearly premeditated, whatever it was. Um, so when I was trying to figure out, okay, obviously I was going to do uh, some sort of Halloween case. Uh, and this, I guess this case is so engraved into my head that I actually had to go through our list of episodes because I was like, I feel like I've talked about this before. But it's just so, like, ingrained in my brain that we've never talked about this. No, I think we've done two Halloween episodes. I know we did um, the the one girl who was murdered by the Kennedys and then um, not murdered by the Kennedys, you know what I'm saying. Uh, And then you did the the pixie stick one, right? No, 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 no. I I did a college student that went missing. Yes. Okay. Yes. See, I thought we were right. talking about the Candyman murders when you okay, first started okay. this, um, okay. which we should cover at some point, but I don't know if we yeah. have. No, we haven't. We haven't. Huh. Okay, so based on Betty's account of the night and what she heard from her bedroom, investigators had speculated the killer was probably dressed up in a costume of some sort. They're getting this from Betty just hearing. Isn't it too late for this? Because it was 11 p.m. Usually trick-or-treating winds down. 9, 9.30, I'd say. Um, yeah, so and I'm assuming they had their light off, late. too. Like, yeah. you're going to bed, yeah. so... Right. So, however, the police had a super hard time finding motive. Nothing was taking, taken from the house, would, which would eliminate the idea of a robbery. And to them, the murder had some sort of gang-related style killing to it. So then they took to dig up Peter's background to see if they could find a motive or reason behind his death. Um, so I didn't put this in my notes, but so once they looked into Peter's background, they did see, um, he did have a little stint with the law where he got caught, um, being a bookie at one point, Mm. but they actually completely ruled that, that this had nothing to do with that. Like that was a while ago and it's never happened again. And he hasn't been in trouble with the law at all. Interesting. Okay. So, other than that, his background was fairly clean, and again, that that little run-in with the law, they ruled as it had nothing to do with this. So, Peter was overall a well-rounded man. The only witness in the case was a young teenager who was out that night and would remember seeing a car speed out of the Fabiano's neighborhood. more mystery? Coast to Ghost is currently in its third season, and to check out our old episodes, you can always click on the link in the description to get to our website. Follow us on Instagram at C2G Podcast, where we post photos from each bizarre case that we cover. And don't forget to leave a review if you listen on Spotify or Apple Music. It wouldn't be till a couple weeks before the police could actually lock down a suspect. After trying to find 
witnesses and everything like that, they would eventually go to Betty, Peter's wife, and ask if Peter had any enemies, and she actually could think of one. She informed police of Joan Rabel. So there are varying sources about Joan's background. Some say she immigrated to the United States from Lithuania, and others say that she was actually born in Philadelphia. So Joan worked uh, various mediums in her life. She was a writer, photographer, actually sailed around the Americas until finally settling in California. She would actually get a job at one of the Fabiano salons as a receptionist after also going through a divorce. It was at this job that she would form a very strong friendship with Betty. Betty and Joan would grow incredibly close with each other and as their bond was growing, at that same time, Betty and Peter's was actually mm. shrinking. The marriage between Betty and Peter was not doing so well and Betty would actually confide in Joan that her husband Peter was very controlling and abusive. The more problems Peter and Betty would go through, the closer the relationship Betty and Joan were creating. And it had actually gotten to the point where Betty had actually moved in with Joan. So some sources had stated that the relationship between the two women were, air quotes, abnormal. Uh, during the 1950s, this term was used as code for homosexual. A homosexual? So <laughs> it was speculated that the relationship between Betty and Joan that was growing was more than just the friendship and was actually more in the romantic direction. And this, um, not all sources stated that. I think it was more like a couple of the older sources um, actually mentioned that and some of the more recent sources actually didn't mention that relationship. Yeah, I will, I'll give you, I'll give you a little tip. Uh, Someone who has studied lesbians throughout history, if any sources state that they are close acquaintances or um, they never married anybody else or they just live together as friends, right. we know what they are. You just can't we know explicitly state yeah. it. Um, it. We saw the same thing with, uh, what case was it? It was, uh, oh my God. It was yes, the one you the did author. with the... About yes. the, the books. Yeah. yeah. Um, that yeah. one did explicitly say, yeah. uh, we think these people are lesbians. Mm-hmm. But, you know, just a disclaimer as well, because I know some people will go there just because they're lesbians do not mean, like, it, that doesn't mean that they're they're bad people inherently. They're, they're just bad, bad people, people right. maybe. Right. You know? <laughs> Lesbianism has right. nothing to do with it other than slay. Um, exactly. But- <laughs> exactly. Facts. Period. <laughs> So, however, the relationship between Joan and Betty would actually make Peter increasingly jealous, obviously, but Betty would ultimately make the decision that she actually wanted to work on her marriage with Peter, so she moved back in with him, and Betty and Peter reconciled, but Peter did give Betty a couple circumstances that she was, one, no longer allowed to see Joan ever again, and he never even wanted to hear her mention. See, Joan. to me, that seals the deal of Joan and Betty had something going on just because, like, you wouldn't react that way to a friend. I mean, like, yeah, right. it's annoying that they put, he probably thinks, oh, she put this idea in your head. But that is the type of disposition mm-hmm. that you show an ex lover. It's not a disposition you show right. a friend. Friend, right. So this would leave Joan 
incredibly devastated. So back to the fall of 1957 with the investigation in Peter's death, police would interview Joan after learning from Betty that Joan and Peter were anything but friends, where when police originally interviewed Joan, she was like, oh, those are two of my best friends. But Joan at this point had absolutely no relationship with Peter nor Betty. Mm, Interesting. So Joan would inform the police that the night of Halloween, she was actually home all night, and her car was actually in the driveway the entire night of Halloween, and she's like, you can ask anybody. This alibi, however, would turn out to be false after further investigation, as an acquaintance to Joan would inform the police that it was true that Joan's car was home all night, but that's because she actually borrowed my car. Oh my god, she literally said, actually... (laughs) Uh, you know what? She was in my car. Like, she snuck... It was so weird. She snuck out yeah, the back like, door and got in my car. I thought it was so weird. She didn't actually do that. I'm right. Like, yeah. <laughs> so when confronted with this information, Joan would state that she did borrow the car, but it was just for a super quick grocery shopping trip. Uh, but there was no evidence to back up this story. In fact, this quick grocery shopping trip should have only taken max four miles, and she put like around 30 something oh good lord so again nothing is just making sense uh and also the car that she borrowed from that friend matched the description of the car that that witness in the neighborhood saw that night speed up i would be so absolutely livid with you if you were like can i borrow your car for a night and then (laughs) murdered someone and then i killed somebody (laughs) i would be so upset first of all give me gas money second of all how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> right. So this still wasn't enough information that the police could actually like link her to the murder. Like it was just, she borrowed a car. She lied about borrowing the car and it could possibly be, ow, I just bit my teeth. That hurt <laughs> Bite so your bad. Teeth. Um, um, so it really wasn't enough to arrest her or anything like that. But there was a breakthrough in the case. The police were informed anonymously that the weapon used to kill Peter was in a storage locker located at a department store in downtown LA. And this lead turned out to be... Oh my god, who... Do we ever find out who did the anonymous lead? No. Oh my god. Anonymous. Huh, okay. Mm-hmm. So, the police found a .38 Smith & Wesson with one bullet left in the storage locker, which belonged to Goldine. I think it's Pizzer. So, who is Goldine? Well, Goldine had actually met Joan also earlier in 1957. The two of them also became very fast friends, enjoying coffee and gossiping together. And it was during one of these coffee gossip times that Joan would inform Goldine of the super evil man that she once worked for named Peter Fabiano. Joan would tell Goldine about how awful he is towards his current wife, Betty. Now, sources say that Even though Goldine spent most of her life married to her now ex-husband, Herbert, she was also secretly gay, too. Okay. I mean, it is the 50s. So So Joan began to use her charm to seduce Goldine and eventually convince her that the only thing that they could do to get rid of this evil man was to kill Peter. It was then she convinced Goldine to go down to Pasadena to a gun store and purchase a .38 Smith & Wesson under the guise, guise, 
under the how come I can't say <laughs> that disguise. Guys, <laughs> that she wanted it for personal home protection. And when she received the gun, it came with two bullets. That's such a weird thing. So let's just remember that. Why would it right. just come with two yeah. bullets? I mean, I don't know how guns work, but I mean, I feel like it would not. And, <laughs> right. I mean, I guess you have to like separately buy bullets. Yeah. I just feel like if you buy it, a gun, it should come with the ammo, you know, just like if you get your ears pierced at Claire- Claire's, then it should come with the earrings. Yeah. I, right. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, and let's just push back to when the police found this gun and it only had one bullet. Oh, interesting. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this is how the police were able to trace the gun to Goldine because they were like, okay, where was it purchased? Blah, 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 blah. Who purchased it? Goldine purchased it. So the night of October 31st, 1957, Joan and Betty would borrow the friend's car and drive to the Fabiano residence. They would wait until all the trick-or-treaters were finished and the lights in the Fabiano house went out. Goldine, wearing a superhero mask, khakis, and other clothing that Joan had brought for her, walked up to the front door and rang the doorbell. Peter would then open the door and see the adult woman in a costume holding a brown paper bag. Peter would then ask Goldine, isn't it a little late for this? And Goldine would respond with no and shoot the gun she was hiding in the paper bag. The following day, the gun would be disposed of in the storage locker. So it was also, didn't put this in my notes either, but a couple sources said that um, after the the murder happened, Goldine hopped back in the car that Joan was waiting in. Joan, like, kissed her on the cheek and was like, we can never speak again, and parted ways. And so it was the next day that Goldine was like, I still have this gun, like, what do I do with it? So then she hid it in some storage locker at a department store in downtown LA. Joan is a truly evil woman. Like, to seduce... Yeah. I, I mean, obviously, hold Goldine, like, accountable. But at the same mm-hmm. time, to manipulate and seduce and then be like, ah, I never want to speak to you again. And then just dip. Like, right. no. <laughs> right. Just ghost yeah. Oh my god. Like, that's a new level Literally. of ghosting. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> On Halloween, too? That's, I mean, that's insane. And here's the bad thing. This is not me ta- yeah. saying this lightly. Here's, it would work on me. I, I mean, like, I don't mean that in a way that's just like, ahaha, funny, but I think I would have done the same, which is showing, like, how vulnerable her victim was. Like, there was more than one victim in this case. Right. Like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, once the police had arrested Goldine, she told police it was a relief to get this off my mind. So, she just word vomited and just spewed everything out. So, shortly after, Joan would be arrested. Due to the fact that during this time, homosexuality was illegal... The two women had to go through several examinations with psychiatrists because the court thought that being gay meant that they were unfit to stand trial, which we all know. Yeah, um, that's also not mentioned in history very often. Uh, There was, I Mm -hmm. believe it was in the 1950s. Um, 
there was a thing called the lavender scare where if you worked for a government facility, they had the right to fire you because they thought that you were gay. And they could interrogate you and be like, are you a homosexual? And if you said yes, they could either arrest you or fire you or both, you know? <laughs> like, Yeah, it's just wild. crazy. So one of the psychiatrists that examined Goldine stated that Goldine truly believed that by killing Peter, she was saving her dear friend Joan from a truly evil man. Mm. Joan refused to comment during the hearing and was reported to be stone-faced with a constant and strange smile. On of course her face. she was. Right. Goldine pled, pled insanity and stated that she was easily influenced, which I believe to be 100% true. I believe she found this woman who she was finally able to be her true self with and she just was brainwashed. Straight up manipulated. Joan. So both women were charged with second-degree murder and sentenced to five years to life in prison. Goldine eventually, I couldn't find a year, but she was eventually released from prison and stayed in the L.A. area where she died at the age of 83 in 1998. Not much is known about Joan, but it's believed that she was probably released around the same time. Oh, Jesus Christ. So now for Betty, the wife. It is unknown if she had anything to do with her husband's death, but there is absolutely no evidence to say that she had anything to do with it. Okay. So, Interesting. What do you think? Do you think she had something she to did do pass with it? Away. I don't think so. I truly, usually I do, but I, I don't think so. I think Joan was just sour and angry from her and Betty's mm-hmm. relationship ending. And it also, you know, she couldn't work at her job anymore. She couldn't speak to them. So I I truly don't think this moment that Betty had anything to okay. do with it. See, I could see either way. Um, mm-hmm. I could too. It's weird. It, this whole entire case is weird. Um, I, I just, I feel like... Maybe Betty was uh, a little bit less prone to Joan's manipulations, and she kind of saw what Joan was doing, mm-hmm. and that's why she's like, okay, bye. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Right. I could see, uh, no matter what, and uh, we both agree it sounds like that Joan is a horrible human being. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then Betty did pass away in 1999. So she never stated that she had anything to do with it before her passing. I think Joan was just a master manipulator and was just. It's because she's a lesbian. That is not why she is. (laughs) No, it is not. (laughs) Um, I'm allowed to say that because I am a lesbian. But uh, like I said, I mean, this is just. I feel bad. It's a it's a wild yeah, case. Like there's no one to really for me to hate other than Joan. I mean, I know right. Goldine like pulled the trigger, but she was manipulated. But she was manipulated. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. Yep. Yep. There is definitely more than one victim in here, um, and I I do I do feel for Goldine a little bit. Like she was like finally ready to 
be like her true self that she was probably mm-hmm. scared to be, especially in the 50s. And she finally got the chance to and was like, I'm truly saving this woman and then she's going to love me forever. And then that woman was like, peace out, girl. That, I mean, that hurts me to hear. Like, there is so much vulnerability to not only, yeah. and I can't even imagine in the 50s, mm-hmm. like even present day, it's so much vulnerability to 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 come out as queer and then to be like oh yeah you know what uh i know that we just shared this moment together and we're like physically bonded now so let's go kill this guy like yeah someone could honestly i'm so susceptible that someone could do the same to me and they could be like we should kill this guy (laughs) and i'd be like okay (laughs) you can be pretty i feel like yeah we do i'm in therapy it's fine (laughs) i'm working on that baggage um (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. I feel like in the 50s, if I was in the 50s and that, and I met Joan, like, yeah, not now, on standards now, but like if I was in the 50s. (laughs) Well, that is the story of the trick-or-treat slang. That was very good. So I hope you all have, I hope you all had a wonderful Halloween Hope you were safe. Hope you were spooky. But be sure to check out the link in the description of this podcast. That'll take you to our website as well as our social media platforms. We post pictures related to each of our cases. You can also message us on our website about any cases that you'd like us to talk about. Let us know how we're doing. Uh, You can rate us on different platforms, but only rate us if you like us. Don't rate us if you don't like us. Yeah, don't don't even worry about it, baby. Don't even don't even worry, pretty little head. Usher, baby. Baby. (laughs) And also, stay safe. I know I said don't be safe, but stay safe. Yes. And check us out every other Thursday for a new episode of Coast to Ghost. And stay spooky, ghosters. Ghosters? That's new.